Welcome to the Musician's Venture Podcast. This is a podcast focused on lessons learned from musicians' backstories, as well as from building successful careers in the music business. My name is Nick O'Brien, and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events that Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. On occasion, I'll be joined by Allison M., the founder of Wisconsin Music Ventures, as she and I will dive into topics relevant to the music industry. So let's get down to business. Musicians and music lovers, I am Nick O'Brien, and welcome to this episode of the Musicians Venture Podcast. This episode is a spotlight on a new music festival in Wisconsin, the Scani River Bluegrass Festival, hosted at Scani's Ale House and Eatery in the Wausau area. This year was the inaugural edition of the festival, and I had the absolute pleasure of not only attending, but also hanging out in the green room and interviewing a handful of folks who were involved in the event. Over the course of the two-day festival, I learned a ton about the backstory of the event, which was put on to replace this year's Mountaintop Festival, which has played a significant role in the lives and music careers for many of Wisconsin's emerging artists and bands, particularly those in the bluegrass scene. Unfortunately, Mountaintop wasn't able to happen this year, so the organizer collaborated with the owner of Scotty's to spawn a new bluegrass festival and fill the void that was left when Mountaintop was canceled. In a weekend packed with amazing live music, Scotty River offered two stages featuring 23 sets from 18 different bands or artists, including well-known Wisconsin acts such as Adam Gruel, Armchair Boogie, Chicken Wire Empire, Feed the Dog, Dig Deep, and many more. The energy at the festival was electric, with many of the bands having artists from other bands join them on stage for collaborative songs, which, as you can imagine, the audience loved to experience. This episode features interviews with six people from the festival, including Bob Wygant, who is the organizer of Mountaintop Festival and the co-organizer of Scotty River, and also the mandolin player for Dig Deep. I also chatted with Ben Swanson, who owns Scotty's and handled most of the organizing for the festival. You'll hear from Armchair Boogie's frontman and banjo player, Augie Doherty, Dig Deep's banjo player, Oscar Netzel, Billy Bronsted, who fronts the Northwoods Americana trio, Billy Bronsted and the Lute, And Adam Gruel, who's made a name for himself with many different bands and projects, but is most known for his role in the popular Wisconsin bluegrass band, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. We'll kick off these interviews by hearing from Bob Wygant as he reflects on the story of Mountaintop, why it's so important to the artists who've played there, and how the Scotty River Bluegrass Festival came together. All right, Bob, we are at the inaugural Scotty River Bluegrass Festival. It's the first one of its kind because of a prior festival that you organized that unfortunately you had to cancel. So just tell me about the experience of like, you're you're a full-time musician, but you got into organizing festivals. Why? Let's start there. Well, I I, honestly, the why is probably, probably a two-part thing. A- just pure selfishness to invite all my friends and all my favorite musicians just so we can get together and have a party and have fun for a weekend. Okay. But B also as a networking thing and Mm -hmm. and to, you know, to build something that would give my band and and my friends bands a bigger platform, you know, to, to reach more people, I guess that was really the thinking behind that just kind of bring together, you know, different music communities, different scenes that I connected with and just try, I, I love 
uh, being the kind of musical matchmaker, mm -hmm. I guess, you know, I love introducing like-minded musicians. I love bringing together scenes that, that might not have otherwise gotten across. And that was always super fun for me, but yeah, just bringing together my favorite musicians and friends just to have fun. And then scene building, I guess, you know, yeah. just trying to build the, the networks of musicians and likewise build the, the market or the, the audience for us to play to. Yeah. And so tell me about starting mountaintop mountaintop. The the first Mountaintop Festival was in 2013, but I had been involved. So Mountaintop it it, uh, it took place at um, what it, what was formerly known as Indian Head and Blackjack Ski Resorts. Now it's under new ownership and has a new name as of this last season. First Mountaintop was in 2013, but I had been involved in organizing. I co-organized a festival at Indian Head in 2011 with another guy who was a friend of mine at the time and had some business malfeasance, I okay. guess, that, that kind of went down in, in, in 2012. So I stepped away. Um, I had to kind of cut ties and just, just step away entirely from that, from, from the whole event. The event took place in 2012 and it was well attended, but again, there was some malfeasance involved. Mm -hmm. So in 2013, this, the, the, the guy who was, was involved, he, he kind of took off. So in 2013, the resort contacted me and said, Hey, you know, it was well attended. People seemed to like it. it. It was a cool thing. So like, let's, let's try to bring it back, but like, let's restructure. Let's, you know, let's do it a little bit differently than we did those, those first couple of years. So we, restructured, rebranded, and it became Mountaintop Festival in, in 2013. And then in 2014, the, the next year, I think, was was when I, uh, I I started chatting with Adam Gruel from Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. And he he was very helpful in that year where we decided to kind of, what I, what I wanted to do was kind of narrow the focus to from, you know, the, the first couple of years we had jam bands and reggae bands and string bands, bluegrass, like all, we kind of just know like certain style or genre or theme or anything like that. But in 2014, that was when I had started, you know, playing with the ditch runners and, and kind of started doing more of the, the string band thing. I was playing mandolin primarily at the time. So I, I, what I wanted to do with a festival was kind of narrow the focus to just that kind of broad umbrella of whatever you might call Americana music, string band, bluegrass country, you know, um, mm -hmm. folk music, whatever kind of fell under that, that umbrella roots music, I guess is mm -hmm. kind of what we, what the, the broad term that we used, but I wanted to narrow the focus. And so Adam was very helpful in bringing some suggestions and he did, you know, he reached out to some of his friends and some of his bands that he was connected with. So he really helped pull together some of those bands for that first year where we kind of went in that roots music direction. And then from there after we kind of stuck with that and that the 20, 2013, our, our first comeback year was like, it, it was okay. It was super fun. But then 2014, I felt like that's when we kind of hit our stride is like the roots music thing. It worked. People liked it. You know, the 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 crowd that we drew for the event was different than the other festivals we had done. And I, I think at that just the timing seemed to kind of work out because at that time, the Roots music scene in the area was really kind of blowing up. There was just so many good bands to choose from. A lot of us, I think, we were kind of at that same point where we were branching out, you know, beyond our hometowns and our home turf, we were starting to connect at festivals. So there's really like a, a you know, the scene was starting to grow and, and connect in ways that I think really helped that festival take off. And that festival means a lot to a lot of the musicians who are here. Yeah, this festival. Yep. You know, I've chatted with a handful of them so far. And, you know, there were there were tears at times when, yeah. you know, a band who had played at that festival, you know, numerous years, 
and then decided to not play because of they were going on tours and things like that. And it, yep. it's clear that that is a, it's more than just a, a, a music experience. There's this yep. community experience and it's like, that's where my friends are at and I can't be there, you know? Yeah. Why do you, why do you think that, that festival meant so much? Well, I, honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with kind of what I was just talking about where, you know, part of my reasoning for making it all happen in the first place was to connect, you know, these musicians to to kind of help connect our scene a little bit, but also to provide an opportunity for us to play for for bigger crowds than we might get to in our, our hometowns or whatever. And so I think for a lot of us playing at that festival, you know, we were at the early stages in, in the development of our respective bands. And so playing that festival for a larger audience was a big opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, looking back, like <laughs> we weren't getting paid much at all or anything like that, but we were getting played for a room full of people that traveled to come and paid to get in the door to come see it. You know, we weren't playing for a disinterested bar room full of drinkers that, you know, could care less. And so I, I think for a lot of us, like I, I remember, I mean, Armchair Boogie, them Cooley boys, like these were guys that played on the the little side stage you know, in the, in the bar room, like their first year or two as a band. And both those two specifically, I remember after their, their side stage sets, like the whole festival was buzzing, like, Oh my gosh, do you hear those guys? Mm. So I, I think like a lot of us and a lot of those bands had that kind of experience where I don't want to say it was like a, their breakout event, but it was a breakout event for them with, you know, with a certain crowd with like certain fans and certain fan groups. That was where they kind of like, they got to shine, you know, in a way for, you know, for an audience that they that might not have gotten to prior to that, I guess. So we, again, it was kind of like an incubator thing for a lot of like the, you know, the newer bands, upstart bands. Like we had some great headliners too, for sure. But every year it was like, there was like a surprise band from the side stage that mm. blew everybody away. And then sure enough, in the next couple of years, you would see that band take off. Yeah, that's so, super cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something I I always I I love to see and and as years went by I, I I kind of I became a little more conscientious about that and I was I would always try to book like deliberately book one surprise band. Mm. You know, you try to book the bands that have the name recognition that have the draw that you know are going to get people in the door. But I always wanted to make sure I had at least one band that I knew was going to kill it. And just blow people away, but that nobody would know. Yeah, you know, that was going to be the surprise, the wild card that people walk away like, "Holy smokes, did you hear those guys?" You know, were you just finding those bands like because they were reaching out, or were you going to their shows, or were you looking a, a for them online? The, or... A lot of these were just bands that I was connecting with, you know, on the road and and at festivals that that we were playing at. And I've always made it a point to kind of try to stay abreast of what's happening in the in the broader scene. You know, just I, I I'm even if we're not playing at a festival, I'm reading that poster and I'm I'm checking out those names. And I'm looking up these bands, especially if I see a name on a poster here and a poster there and a poster there, I'm going to, I'm going to go watch some YouTube videos. I want to see who these, you know, who these folks are. And so I, I think a lot of the bands that I would, that I would pull from, yeah, there were, I either saw them live at a show, met them at a festival or something like that. There were definitely some, you know, especially after the festival kind of got rolling, I would get submissions and I would get sure. folks, you know, reaching out to me, but the bulk of the bands that I booked wound up being ones that I would reach out to. Yeah. And I've heard a lot about these jam sessions, you know. Oh, the chalets. Yeah, yeah. That's like, I think every festival that, that people fall in love with have some kind of unique thing that makes it special to them. And I think the, the hotel chalet jams or whatever, I think that was our thing for Mountaintop. You know, the 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 main stage and the side stage performances, those were great. And like, that was an awesome party, but 
after hours, you know, the, the bands we'd always put in like a block of, mm-hmm. of rooms or whatever. And <laughs> looking back, I, I just like, I, I don't even know how or why the resort staff like put up with us and let us <laughs> do this stuff. Cause we would take over these, like these blocks of, of rooms, you know, and I mean, God help any, anybody that wasn't there for the festival, you know, cause like these jams, you know, would fill up a tiny hallway with like a few hotel rooms on, on either side. And there'd be 40 people in the hallway with like 25 instruments and p- people hanging over balconies and, and, you know, and it wouldn't stop until eight in the morning. You know, this is like the, the players would just cycle through and they'd go off and sleep for the while and they come back. And it's, you know, it was literally an all night party with whoever had an acoustic instrument that could come down. And, and I mean, these, these were some great players too, you know, mm-hmm. especially once we started drawing bands from outside of the Midwest, that was that, you know, the after hours jam, that was like where, where the real networking happened. I think, you know, that's where like the real bonds of, of, of friendship kind of solidified and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of those core memories that people took home and like, wow, that was, that was worth it. You know, that happened in the hallways <laughs> after hours, you know? Oh, so cool. Like I'm a big community nut. Like that's yeah. what I do for a living is yep. build community. And so sitting here talking to you about, you know, organizing an experience like this festival that, kind of organically, you know, built this really strong community. Yeah. I'm yep. like, I'm honestly kind of envious. Well, and it's, I mean, it's the kind of thing where like, I had all that in mind as I pulled it together, but you know, it wouldn't have taken if the the musicians involved and the fans involved weren't also community minded, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think that's, you know, that that's something that's inherent in, in the bluegrass scene in general is it is community minded. It's so supportive and it's all about that jam circle. Any good bluegrass festival anywhere is going to have late night jams. That's just a part of the culture, you know, and that's a part of what makes bluegrass music bluegrass. It's mm-hmm. like you bring other people in, you give them an opportunity, you help them out, you give them a solo, you communicate with them musically. You know, it's it's just a part of the culture. And with Mountaintop, like I, you know, I just happen to bring people together that understood that culture and they lived it and they breathed it and they they thrive on it you know and you get like that from minnesota meeting people like that from wisconsin you know people that have never met each other before but all just get that mm-hmm. you put them in a hotel room at 3 30 in the morning and pass a whiskey bottle around and like you're gonna you're gonna be best friends by the morning you yeah, know and yeah. you're gonna start playing shows together and then you're gonna it, it snowballs you know yeah yeah i mean unfortunately like mountaintop has it has it come to an end well the the reason i had to cancel this year is because like i mentioned the the resorts formerly indian head and blackjack now i'm drawing a blank on what they're called now i think it's snow river resorts is is the the blanket name but they just there was a change in ownership over this last season and long story short communication became difficult and and we were just not able to get our ducks in a row um in time i kind of i i basically i hit my kill date sure we hadn't had things we hadn't like had the right conversations and gotten things set up and solidified enough by my kill date i just i had to pull the plug just because we wouldn't have had enough time to pull together you know a good event so i had i had to cancel it but you know right after i pulled the plug is when ben swanson the owner of scani's here he reached out to me right away and he's like hey can we do something <laughs> and i was like yeah, i think we can make something work cool yeah. yeah so you didn't have to like grieve you know no no it was yeah I, I mean i was super bummed at first but it was literally like that week 
Ben got in touch with me and we kind of started to get the ball rolling. So it was, it was very quick. And I mean, once we started getting the conversation going in earnest, it became pretty clear that like, we actually could pull something together pretty cool, you know? Yeah. And the way it turned out, I don't feel like I'm missing out that much at all from mountaintop. Like I, I, that's, that was always my baby. And, you know, I'm sad we, we couldn't do it this year, but we had a couple, miss a couple of years due to COVID and stuff sure. like that. So, and it was always, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a big project. So it was kind of nice to have a little bit of that workload, you know, relieved, you know, for a couple months here. So, you know, we got the chance to do this. I was talking to somebody earlier and they said, yeah, when we heard about, you know, mountaintop being canceled and then, you know, all of a sudden heard about this festival, they put the the moniker of diet mountaintop on it. <laughs> oh, nice. I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Um, and so I'm guessing the reception from, you know, all the artists here was good when yeah. you reached out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I should mention too, I can't take too much credit because when Ben reached out to me and, and we started putting things together like this, this was something that he always kind of wanted to do. He and his buddies used to always come up to Mountaintop. That was like their, mm. their dude's weekend or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a music fan. He mm. loves music and he gets it. You know, since he started running Scani's here, he's booked shows. He's been super supportive of the music scene here. And I think he always kind of wanted to do like a bigger event, like a multi-day, multi-band thing. And so when I had to cancel Mountaintop and this kind of popped up as an opportunity, like he took it and ran with it. You know, he he got in touch with me right away and like, you know, had some questions about, you know, just the logistics of organizing an event like this. But, and I, you know, I, I would have suggestions and and, you know, information and stuff for him, but I can't take too much credit because he did so much. He took it and ran with it and like did an awesome job. A lot of the work that I would do to organize an event like this, he just, he took care of it all. Just, just went and ran with it and killed it. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So cool. That's so cool. So, I mean, obviously a different environment, right? Yeah. Yep. You know, going from a ski resort to a restaurant and a bar, probably not the same feeling. Yeah. But the point you made earlier of it being like the people who are here mm -hmm. has less to do with the place and more to do with the people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, looking at that crowd out there, a lot of those people are, are regular mountain toppers. You know, mm -hmm. I, I know for a fact that a lot of folks that would have been coming up to mountaintop this year, you know, came out for this one. And I mean, you nailed it, a, an event, a festival, it's it, the venue plays a part in it, you mm -hmm. know, the setting, obviously it plays a part and all the, the, the trappings and everything like that. It's, it, 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 you know, it has an impact for sure, but not as much as the people, Yeah, like the people make the event, you know, even to a greater degree, I would argue than the music. Yeah. You know, I think the people that show up make mm -hmm. the event hands down. You could, you, you take this crowd you could put them anywhere and you're still going to have a fun show because yeah. of the people that show up. Totally. Yeah. This event could be, you know, under a highway or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You, you, know? could, you could throw it in a barn. You yeah. could throw it in a yeah. barn. You could throw it in a field. You know, like you put these people together and they're going to be fun. Right. Just because it's, it's good music, loving people, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that was what I experienced the first time I went to Jack Pine. Yes. It was so weird to me. It was like, this is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> You're right. Field. Like, and it's a, it was a small enough, I think the year I went, it was like a thousand people or something like sure. that. So small enough, but I, within minutes, like I felt like, oh, everyone here is a friend. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And like, I don't know most of the people here, but yeah, but it's, it, and it's that immediate. As soon as you walk in mm -hmm. the doors or as soon as you get on the grounds, you pick up on that and you sense it and you feel the sense of community 
that has been built around that event. Mm -hmm. It's super cool because of the people that show up, you know, it's not orchestrated. It's not like built or, or contrived. That's just what happens when these people get together. It's, it is that organic community building really. Totally. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. Oh man. It's a joy and a privilege, man. I, I, I love getting to do it. Now we'll hear from Ben Swanson, who led the organizing for Scotty River and hosted the festival at his business. Ben talks about why he felt the need to step up and organize this festival when Mountaintop got canceled and the process of putting together the event as a first-time festival organizer. Ben, thanks for sitting down with me. This is an inaugural Scotty River Bluegrass Festival, first festival you've had at Scotty's. Uh, but you, you've had live music here before and the little music series and things like that. And from what I understand, you were a big fan of Mountaintop, which unfortunately, you know, had to be canceled this year. And then you re- reached out to, to Bob and you said, Hey, what if we, you know, what if we did something at Scotty's? What, let's start by just kind of you explaining what your, your kind of relationship was or is currently with, with Mountaintop and why, you know, that kind of, prompted you to feel almost like an obligation to kind of step in and be like, I got to fill the void when mountaintop's not happening this year. So yeah, mountaintop's been an important part to uh, myself and like my, my group of friends to, to our lives. That's like been our guys weekend for, I don't know, 10 years. And I don't know, eight years. I can't tell you for sure, but we, uh, we, we get um, like 25 guys together and go up North and go see mountaintop. And it's uh, always been something we look forward to it's kind of kind of signaling like the end of winter in a way you know we get up there and start getting out into it and get out of hibernation a little bit and it's it's time to get going again and when i found out mountaintop wasn't going on this year i reached out to bob and asked him if he thought that it would be possible to try and do something kind of comparable here he's like yeah yeah i think we can give it a go so so that's what we, yeah, that's what we did. We gave it a go. Most of the bands we have here are bands that have been here before. So already had a relationship with all of them and it worked out. They were all free this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's day two right now. And, you know, day one was a success. The place was packed. Yeah. And um, I know there's a lot of faces in the crowd that would have gone to Mountaintop, you know, as well as the the artist on stage. And it's just a really cool vibe here. And you've got such a great environment here anyway. You know, it's really unique in the way that, you know, you designed it aesthetically. And I, I think I've always kind of thought, like, when I lived in Wausau, I was like, man, this would be a place that I would love to see live music. But I never saw live music here when I lived here. And I moved away from Wausau in, in early 2018. And so, you know, walking into this environment, and I was like, oh, this fits perfectly. You know, like I said before, you, you've you had live music here before, but never a festival. So, like, take me through the experience of, you know, planning something at this kind of scale, you know, at a, at a bar and restaurant, you know, what's that like? Well, it was, uh, there were, there were a few moments along the way where it was touch and go, whether I thought this was going to be doable even after I had commitments from quite a few bands and just the, the logistics of it all, we had to rearrange a lot. And that was, that was a lot of legwork doing that, but just wondering, wondering how we can make it all flow, 
the staffing isn't a huge concern for us, but it's you know the the parking is a major concern. There were there were a lot of a lot of things along the way, and you know I started looking into occupancy issues and things like that. And there were unforeseen things that came up along the way, but for the most part, it was all about the music. When when I was stressing out about all the logistics, I found comfort in knowing that we had two good sound guys working each stage and a bunch of good musicians. I found peace in that. I was like, oh, we'll figure out everything else. Everything else will be, you know, there'll be some learning, uh, a little bit of a learning curve along the way, but that piece is taken care of and that's what everyone's here for. So I, I, I started to like not worry as much when mm-hmm. I realized that. That's taken care of. That's good. We'll figure out all the rest and tweak it as we go. How did your staff respond to the to the idea? Um, mainly favorably. A lot of my staff, we have a hard time opening up during the weekend of Jackpine mm. because most of my staff goes to it. So they're all they're all into it. So yeah, mainly favorably. I think they were a little concerned about the nuts and bolts of mm-hmm. it and how it would play out, but you know, I, for for the kitchen, they've been we're, we're short staffed in the kitchen. This is kind of a nice like almost break for them because mm. we're usually packed on Friday and Saturday, and you know they're still making food and having fun, but they don't have to like just be completely stressed. So it's almost like a a little break for them in a way. Yeah. So they're they're happy about it too. I think everyone's pretty happy about it. Plus, it's like you know if you're serving or bartending or whatever, and you're on staff for for this weekend you have a pretty cool environment to work in. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's a completely different crowd than we usually have. And we have, we have good customers and all, but everyone here is here to like have a good time. And that's what they're here for. You know, when we're dealing with, I don't want to phrase this in a way where I'm making regular customers like feel bad, but there's, there's a different bar set with regular customers that come in. Right? This fish was cold or, you know, uh-huh. this was this. That's not something that we have to deal with this weekend, and it's kind of, kind of a nice break for all of us too. Yeah, how much thought went into you know the decision up to like I mean you had to kind of close to the public, right? Right. And I when I got here yesterday, you know I got my wristband, and then people came in behind me, and your staff was like, "Are you here for the ticketed event?" And they were like, "Oh no, we we're just trying to get some food." And then your staff was like, "Oh, well, I'm sorry, we're you know we're close to a ticketed event, but you can buy a ticket." And people were like, "Oh, well, but like so that experience, like you know, you're going to be like turning regular yeah. customers around." Yeah, away. I know. Uh, there, there's definite concern with that. Like, if there are long term side effects that will come up, where people that will come on you know next weekend wonder what we're doing or if we're open, and there's no way to get that word out to everyone where everyone knows we're close to the public or we're open and we, we tried to get it out, but there's a little concern with that. But I, I think for the most part, I don't think it's going to affect business moving forward. Yeah. But it, it is, it is hard to like say no to people. That's not what we're in the business of doing. You know, we're in the business of saying yes to people. But, yeah. But, so when I talked with Bobby, he kind of explained that, you know, when you came to him with the idea, you know, and he, he was receptive to it. You know, you picked his brain a little bit and then you just kind of ran with a lot of it. I mean, he gave you a lot of credit for putting this on. So what's it been like to like work with with Bob on this, and how did you guys like go about like splitting the roles and you know um, breaking up tasks and responsibilities? Yeah, so Bob's been like my uh, he's been my safety net. He's been my guy who's making me feel good about a lot of the decisions. 
So it's it's nice to work with him. He's such a good guy that, you know, he's been very available. But like I said, most of the bands we've already had relationships with. So I was able to reach out to the bands independent of, of Bob and kind of set it up. I wanted him to be involved because of, you know, like I said, I've never done anything like this before. But as it as it kind of moved on, it was more, you know, I talked to him about certain agents or certain, you know, things. So our headliner, Armchair Boogie, had a non-compete clause. They were playing within a certain radius the end of February. So we couldn't advertise that we were going to have them, even though they verbally committed. So I'm wondering how I can get this word out and if if they're committed. And Bob was very very helpful navigating through those sorts of things and some of the like logistics that are beyond me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he's just, he's just a great guy. Easy to work with. And, you know, we just kind of hashed a few things back and forth. I threw some ideas off of him, asked him if he thought it would work. And he was there to like say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. So yeah, he's been great to work with. So what do you, what are you thinking? I mean, we're here day two, obviously there's a lot more music left to go. I know you're kind of still in it. Maybe tough to answer, but like, how do you think this is this has gone off so far? I, yeah, I think it's been great. I think there's there's a lot of stuff to learn from it for sure. I think one of our biggest issues we have, even though we have a ton of parking here, is parking because mm -hmm. there's not a lot of space beyond here. We don't have street parking. We don't have anywhere for people to go. So that's something in doing these events in the future. I'm going to try and work with some of the places in the industrial park behind us to like set up overflow sure. parking and things like that. That's my biggest takeaway. That'll be the biggest thing to to try and remedy. Because I think I think we have room for more people. We sure. have the capacity for more people in the building. We don't have necessarily the capacity in the parking lot. Other than that, you know, we're just figuring out how to staff it. You know, we don't know how many people are going to eat or where where they're, we're going to need people. So that'll be something that we you know kind of assess after this weekend and figure out how to do it in the future. Do you have like an estimated like time frame of from ideation to execution? Yeah, so Bob came through here on New Year's Eve. He was on his way to a uh, point to play a New Year's Eve show. And I said, hey, come by and buy a burger and we'll just talk about some stuff. And he's like, yeah, let's give it a go. So that was that was New Year's Eve. So I don't know, two and a half months from... Yeah, that's I, pretty quick. Yeah, it's really quick. If we're to do these things in the future or when we're to do these things in the future, I want to do it with a little more planning. And we didn't really market this at all. Sure. Other than just social media and the city pages last week. And we got a little blurb in the highlights, but we didn't really do a whole lot to market it. And I don't know what, like if we would have been able to handle it, if it was more marketed, mm -hmm. because we're already filling up our parking lot with, with people I don't know, you know, I, I, there needs to be more planning. Like, sure, I would, you know, do a lot of pre-sale tickets, you know, get the word out, get the lineup set, get everything dialed in. But this all came together very, very quickly. Yeah. And I mean, you had mentioned earlier, like just that lesson learned of, uh, of wanting to kind of, you know, coordinate, you know, more parking so that you can kind of house more people in the, in the venue, but also like a lot of the, you know, the, the ticket buyers here for this festival, you know, would have gone to mountaintop 
And so they're coming from everywhere. Did any thought go into like, you know, organizing with hotels and like blocking, you know? Yeah, there were, there were a lot of things on my list and they they were, (laughs) there were things on the list that I get do this, 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 and they were prioritized. And I did reach out to uh, a local hotel a couple times to do a block of rooms and never heard back from them. Okay. Uh, it just was something that is kind of like there were so many other things going on that it just wasn't something that I was really prioritizing and getting ready for this. Sure. Well, I mean, some of the, you know, the best festivals currently, they, they had very humble beginnings, right? You know, maybe not as marketed as much as it could have been or whatever, but I think that's a good takeaway for any other, anybody else, any other business owners or, or organizers who are thinking about putting together a festival. Like, you know, the first one doesn't have to be massive. You just have to get like the right things, right? Like you had mentioned the sound, the musicians, right? The staffing, that type of stuff. And then you can kind of grow as your experience evolves with organizing something like that. And as long as like the integrity of the festival, like the core is there, like it's going to grow organically. People are going to tell their friends about it and whatnot. And uh, honestly, in my opinion, that's the best way of marketing anyway, is that kind of peer to peer, you know, engagement versus like, you know, blanketing it with like lots of big advertisements and things like that. So yeah, I really think you're onto something here, man, you know, assess after the weekend and potentially consider keeping it going. Yeah. Keeping it going or again, Doing something in summer. I mean, we've got that great patio that we can utilize and we, you know, do some tent stuff. I, I don't know. I, this is, this is very much a, a, a trial run uh, doing something like this. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of live music. I go to festivals all over the place and to do something here and have it for, you know, the Wasai area is, is pretty, pretty great. And I'd, I'd love to do more of it. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sitting down and talking with me about the festival. I'm like, feel fortunate to be here at this festival and appreciate you sitting down with me, man, and talking about this. And yeah, thanks for uh, having thank me. you for putting this on, man. Yeah. You're, you're now part of the, you're part of the music industry in a way that's not just consuming music, but now you're also, you know, like creating op- another opportunity to kind of contribute to this bluegrass community. So thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, well, thank you for saying so. And thanks for coming. This next interview is with Augie Doherty, who plays banjo and fronts Armchair Boogie, which is one of Wisconsin's most popular bands right now. He shares his memories of Mountaintop and the epic late-night jam sessions that happen there, we also talk about the Ice Dance Festival, which also had some pretty awesome late night jam sessions. All right, Augie, here you are at Scani's mm-hmm. in Wausau, Wisconsin, uh, a city that? you've played a few times, yep. uh, just north of where you learn how to do all this stuff. I'm right. And you're at the we're at the inaugural Scani River Bluegrass Festival, which I've come to learn is kind of standing in the place of Mountaintop Festival. And you played Mountaintop. I assume everybody here has played Mountaintop. Yeah. I've heard a little bit about, I've never attended that festival, but I've heard a little bit about just what that festival means to, you know, the bluegrass musicians who yeah. who play there. And there was kind of a bummer that it wasn't going to happen this yeah. year. And so what was your initial reaction when you learned that there was going to be like a replacement for, for Mountaintop? We had this in our calendar as Diet Mountaintop. Oh, <laughs> like we had heard about it possibly being a thing and we were really trying to make it happen. And it, it was just on the table for a little bit because it was getting worked out. And we, so we were like totally bummed that Mountaintop wasn't happening. Mountaintop is 
extremely extremely meaningful to everybody i mean oh my god the jams that would happen at mountaintop music festival it's always in march in the up so it's cold as hell so we get these chalets at the ski resort and all a chalet is is just three levels of rooms four on each floor and we would jam in the hallways and there'd be 30 40 people in the hallways and you can't even get through there at all there'd be a case of beer in the middle and we'd just be jamming horseshoes and hand grenades dig deep charlie parr pertinier sandstone kind country endless those are the people would be jamming in the hallways and you and you just pass around solos and just laugh endlessly and not to mention like actually just playing the shows you know it's just watching tremendous music and learning so much from everybody integral in my life mountaintop music festival just the camaraderie yeah camaraderie uh just just learning and having a great time so super bummed to hear that it wasn't going to happen but that's what happens at festivals festivals start and festivals end Mm -hmm. unfortunately so we're like, you know, it's kind of one of those things and we hadn't played it in a few words. I cried. Mm. I was a, was a big sad man. <laughs> when the first year that we missed Mountaintop was the first year that we decided to, to go on an Eastern tour. We're like, if you're going to grow, you have to do different things. And so we're going to go experience the East Coast for the first time. So we did an East Coast tour. And I remember sitting there and Mountaintop was happening and we were in Philadelphia and I opened my phone up after soundcheck and I was sitting just in the room that we were about to play, which was this tiny little room ended up being an awesome show, but nobody was there at the time. I've never been to Philadelphia before. Every one of my friends in the bluegrass scene is at mountaintop festival jamming. And I watched a video of them doing it. And I just started crying because I was like, that's where I'm supposed to be right now. And I'm not there because of business mm-hmm. because we're trying to grow and we're trying to get better, but it's not just business. And that's just me being emotional, you know, sure. <laughs> but but it was the reality of, of what I felt like in that moment. Yeah. So I really wanted to be there. there that's how important it is to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's night one of the Scotty River Festival. And Well, here's shows you how important it is to me is that I'm not even playing tonight. I'm not even hired to be here tonight. Armchair Boogie plays tomorrow night. Yeah. We're like, shit, we got the day off. Let's go. And so we're all here. And I've played with three bands. Yeah. You know, just because they're my friends and I didn't, I don't even have to ask. Uh-huh. Maybe I should ask. That's <laughs> ah, probably not necessary. No, I'm just kidding. They invited me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When was the last time you played in Wausau? Well, we played in Mosinee a few weeks ago. Oh, the Lamplight right Sessions? Yeah. Gotcha. So we did that. And then uh, we did Whitewater Music Hall last year. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. So we do we do Wausau. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Different uh, environment here, you know, at a, at a bar and restaurant than, yep. than, you know, in the UP at at a ski resort yeah it's different it's a different environment and and the thing about that is that everybody's there it's bigger everybody's there like because the hotels are there uh-huh. you're you're confined and well that's what makes it a festival is that you're in the trenches with everybody for like that long here you know it's a bar festival so it's awesome this is badass and i'm so glad they put it together and ben was a huge part of it too so we're happy that it's happening man because this is the type of stuff that we need that we're all each other's therapists and stuff so we need to see each other an amoeba of musicians we need to come together yeah well i was at the um the inaugural ice dance was about a month ago or so what a fantastic time yeah that was an absolute blast and i felt that there yeah i I felt that whole thing there because it's the same thing hotel festival Mm -hmm. or or, uh swamp and grass used to happen if you're Mm -hmm. familiar with that yeah and and that one ended which that one killed me too i was like really bummed that that didn't happen 
Swamp and Grass was a huge learning thing for us. Art Stevenson and Highwater always played there, and, and Dale is in that band. Dale's a banjo mentor of mine, and so those those are really important to me too. Yeah, and I'd never witnessed a hotel hallway jam session. Oh yeah, until Ice Dance. You and, saw that? Oh yeah. Somehow I had a a part of starting it as as the okay. only like non musician staying yes. on that floor, and you know, a good friend, Billy Bronstead and then Oscar. Yeah. Uh, we were all staying in the same room and both Billy and Oscar were just gung ho at one thirty in the morning about getting some musicians together to jam. And I suggested, well, why don't you just grab your guitar and your banjo and let's just yeah. get in the elevator. There you go. And we're on the top floor. Let's just stop at every floor on the way yeah. down and see who who shows up. And awesome. the second floor we stopped at, Four Chris, likely. yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And he had his fiddle on his back and he jumps in the elevator yeah, and he just, right. you know, starts playing. And it sounded surprisingly good in that yeah. elevator. I'd never, you know, oh, yeah. never been in an elevator concert before. Right next to a fiddle, man. That sounds great. Right. Yeah, big time. And then we, you know, we, we rode the elevator up and down for about 45 minutes. And no way. We got back up to the, the top floor. Yeah. And there were at least four or five other artists there nice. with their instruments waiting. And uh, there's video of this. Like, I <laughs> Was that on Saturday night? It was on Saturday night. Yeah. We were there on Friday night. And there was a, there was a jam in a hotel room at the end of the night a guy was uh or, or there was somebody knocking on the door being like you guys need to quiet down or it was a it was a, an employee of the hotel oh yeah was, she walked by me and was like i was walking down the hallway and she was like do you guys hear any music coming from somewhere and i was like nope <laughs> i had just been in there I was yeah. like, well, i'm leaving it's funny because it wasn't i think it was maybe the second or third stop after we picked up Chris yeah, and the doors opened and it was two hotel employees and they got in the elevator and like started recording like video and stuff like that. Um, But that jam started in the elevator at one 30 and it was still going at five 30 when I went to bed in in the hallway. It was such a cool experience. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And Billy, Billy said the next day, he was like, Oh man, that gave me such mountain type vibes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Great ones in the hotels and mountain top. That's where it's at, man. That's huge, huge parts of my memory. I have so many memories of the hotel jams there, but the biggest one, kind country being there and jamming with Max in the hotel room. That was one of the last ones that we played because the year that I was went to Mountaintop first and I experienced my first jam was at Mountaintop and Max was there and he was like the first guy that I met. So I remember jamming in the hallway with Max and, and we, we were the last ones up and uh, that was one of the last times I remember jamming with him is at the last Mountaintop that we played, so. And like you said, you know, festivals start and festivals have to end and another one has started. Not, maybe yeah. not the same kind of environment. Yeah. And I'm sure Scotty is going to want to host yeah. this for as long as they can. Yeah, but if it, great if it grows, you know, who knows? It could evolve into a different location and a bit yeah. of a revival of what Mountaintop has been. So let's make it happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool to to be here at the first one. Yeah. And unfortunately, never got the chance to experience Mountaintop. But yeah. I've heard yeah. all the stories. Thank well, thank you for, you know, sharing your perspective on this amazing community of of musicians and fans yeah. and it's it's really fun to be a part of and i'm grateful just to like get to stand in the crowd and like yeah. meet people um so well, i'm yeah. happy to do it man I, i'm happy to talk about the people that that have helped me through my life in in so many ways that i can't even express everybody that's here and everybody that i've ever played music with and it's shared the stage with me and stuff like that i mean there's there's so many important people in this scene and i'm just so happy to be a part of it it's their own little thing. It's, it's their own little thing we got going. Yeah. It's awesome. Thanks, Nick. Nick. 
Next, you'll hear from Dig Deep's banjo player, Oscar Netzel, who reflects on the importance of Mountaintop and why he was so happy that Scotty River was organized to fill the void left when Mountaintop was canceled this year. He also talks about an onstage experiment that he and Augie Doherty do when they play at festivals. Oscar, my man. Yeah. <laughs> this festival is kind of filling a void of a pretty beloved festival that is not happening this year, Mountaintop. Mm-hmm. Like, what was your initial reaction when you heard that this festival was being organized in place of Mountaintop? In short, elation. Okay. Really, I was mostly excited that I would still get to see a similar, you know, potentially the same group of friends that I get to see every year at Mountaintop, but this time closer to where I live, about a half hour away. Yeah. Unfortunately, not, you know, literally on top of a snow-covered mountain in the UP, but, uh, you know, still a good location for me, selfishly. (laughs) Yeah, and tell me why it was so important, or why you think it was so important for Ben and Bob to step up and do this when there was a void of Mountaintop. Like, what makes, what made Mountaintop so special, and what remnants or elements of that specialness was present you know throughout these past two days to me the most important part of mountaintop was breaking the sort of cabin fever season that we experience in march where you know all summer long there's festivals and shows and all sorts of stuff and you're outside and you're doing stuff and then so often in winter and especially as like we come to late winter in the beginning of spring it feels like we're just stuck inside and there's just like the worst type of snow and ice outside and you can't do anything. Everything sucks. <laughs> and then you get to go to a music festival where all of your friends that you hang out with during the summer and, you know, better, better seasons are there hanging out, having a good time. So like you said, it wasn't, it's not on a mountaintop here, uh, but Scotty's is a good place for it. And, you know, there's this community that exists of Wisconsin bluegrass, jamgrass, string band, new grass, whatever umbrella you want to put it under. And, you know, it's not only what happens on stage, which is like this kind of like intermingling of different players from different bands, but also, you know, like a lot of people that are here tonight, you know, would have gone to Mountaintop, you know? And so it seemed as though this festival is kind of filling that void in a lot of accounts. What's it been like for you? Uh, It's been great. It's probably a better situation health-wise for me because at Mountaintop, I don't have to go anywhere and drive. So I haven't been <laughs> drinking this weekend. Less uh, less alcohol intake, still just as much fun as I would have had, except for the jams. There's no, like, one dwelling space where we all go back to afterwards to have hallway jams like we did at Mountaintop. Yeah. And well, I know Ice Dance kind of filled a little bit of that, you know, with the hallway jam that happened. Right. Billy and I had to stir that up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you did, because it was an amazing experience. Yeah. How did your sets feel this weekend? Uh, yesterday, the Dig Deep set went awesome. We experienced some technical difficulties. We had uh, the pickup break on Bob's Pandolin, and my amp fell off the stage twice before we even got started. <laughs> but um, other than that, I think if that would have happened at like a regular show at some bar somewhere that would have instantly put like a big damper on our night. Mm -hmm. But the energy of the crowd here was just so good that it was impossible to have a bad time, even with the technical difficulties. Yeah. 
Talk to me about this uh, this thing that you and Augie do, where he plays the right hand and you play the left hand of the banjo. Yeah. And you never practice, right? Yeah, so we made an agreement to never practice. Okay, what spawned this? Um, I guess I don't remember what specifically spawned it. I think Augie just walked up to me and he said, hey, how about you come up while we're playing and you play my banjo and lead a song and I'll come up after playing a harmonica solo and played the right-hand side of the banjo. This was at, don't remember the name of the venue, but it's in Madison, sort of right on the lake. And it went so well, and the crowd loved it, so we decided to keep doing it, and also to never, ever practice it. <laughs> well, you did it a couple times here at the festival, and I'd never seen that before, so thank you for, <laughs> for, for running with that little experiment. It's a hoot, and it makes me so happy every single time I get to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, you also feel some fulfillment and happiness just from being a part of this, the scene in Wisconsin. And Certainly. It's like, I think you, I know I've heard you say it before offline and I've heard so many people say it throughout this weekend. All these uh, musicians are like your best friends. You yeah, know? definitely. And it seems like a really cool experience to be able to do this all together. Yeah. Like Augie said tonight, when I got on stage to play the left side of his banjo again, he said, here comes Oscar. He's one of my best friends in the world. And I like, it made me pause in my head for a second. Like, yeah, I'm getting up on stage with some of my best fucking friends in the entire world. And I get to, you know, just hang out with them and be on stage with them and experience like, you know, one of the greatest things in my life is live music. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really something special. Thank you for sitting down and talking yeah. with me, man. Of course. <laughs> This festival gave me the opportunity to interview one of my good musician friends, Billy Bronsted. We talk about the importance that Mountaintop played in the development of his music career, as well as his experience receiving the news that Scotty River was going to happen. Billy reflects with gratitude about the opportunity he's gotten to play with and develop relationships with the artists that he met at Mountaintop and how meaningful those relationships have been for him. Billy. Inaugural Scani River Bluegrass Festival is in the books. Mm -hmm. And I know as much as other musicians have said this too, I, you and I have talked offline about this, about just the, the void that the festival filled when Mountaintop was canceled this year. First of all, I'll just like start by talking about Mountaintop and, you know, why that was such a meaningful experience. Mountaintop for me, I mean, I'm still generally assembling a lot about our community and how it came together because it's existed so long before I came along. But for me, I know when Bob first hired my high school band, Saving Cities, to play up there, it was just the the raddest experience I'd ever had up until that point. And for the first time in my life, I didn't feel like I was making music on an island, but I was like being included with other people who were doing it. And it would be a lot of years before I would return to Mountaintop and experience that again. I think that what everyone's been doing is getting together and enjoying each other through their instruments and sharing the stage and, and doing what we do. For me, those people, including me, especially when I was so young, was so vital for my development. So the Mountaintop Festival is the very first music festival I ever played. 
It was the very first year they called it Mountaintop. I believe it was called Pow Wow in the Pines before it was called Mountaintop. And it's really the very festival that showed me and introduced me to the greater Midwest community um, and the Wisconsin community of newgrass, bluegrass. I mean, and even back then there was jam bands. There still are some, but that year I remember Roster McCabe played and they were like, when I was in high school, they were like my favorite thing ever. And Bob gave us, <laughs> Bob let us play a slot right before them, you know, and we had not very many shows under our belt. I've, every time any of these guys ask me to play, I just feel this like overwhelming sense of like gratefulness and like for just being included because I am truly passionate about this art and this craft and contributing and also learning from the people who have been doing it before me. So in short, Mountaintop is like right there in the very center of my heart. So when you heard it was going to be canceled, there's there was a probably a, an emotional response to that. And uh, and then you heard not too long after that, that Scotty River Festival was going to happen. What was your reaction to that? Well, it was interesting because for me, there was like this buzz, you know, with within the music community, because we all knew that the Indian Head Resort had been bought out. And there was kind of like this like lull. The talk that was going on behind closed doors was like, you know, is it going to happen? I think a lot of people were like, hey, Bob, you know, like what's going on? And nobody knew for a while. And then, you know, we did get the news that they weren't interested in having the festival this year. And then it was kind of like, oh, man, and I didn't hear much for a while. And then I think it was Chris Forsberg, actually. He was kind of spewing that it was his, you know, cooking up. I think it was actually the Wisconsin Bluegrass Festival at the Sylvie in Madison where I found out they're going to do this thing at Scani's, you know, like buckle up, <laughs> you know, they're doing it in Wausau, which is the community that is, you know, kept me afloat all these years that I've been pursuing this thing. So for me, I was like saddened because, you know, the snowboarding and skiing element and the like the jams and the chalets, you know, that we used to have or the, the cabins on the on the land up there weren't going to happen. But I was also excited that I wasn't going to have to necessarily travel as far and potentially we would get a similar experience, you know, right in Wassa. And I was very excited. And then when they asked me to play, I was just jazzed. Man. Yeah, I mean... And so many of the artists and bands that played at Scotty River, I mean, they they would have been at Mountaintop. And so, you know, that you mentioned there not being like the same kind of physical environment and not having the same, you know, kind of jam sessions, you know, in the chalets afterwards. But on stage, did it feel similar? Like, was it a was it a similar oh, I mean, vibe? Yeah. I mean, the the heart of Mountaintop was there. And I think everyone was just like vibrating together on this like higher plane i could feel and it was coming out of me but i could feel it emanating in other people this like sense of gratitude that we get to experience this and it was just so cool you know i live for that mm -hmm. you know that is that is me and my my happy place yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, so many others have said, too, like, you know, those people that are on stage throughout the weekend, some of your best friends, you know, and to get mm -hmm. to do what you love with the people you love for this, like, music-loving community that you love. 
and you get to do it in the city that you love, you know? Mm-hmm. What can you say about, you know, Bob and Ben kind of stepping up to put put on this festival in in Mountaintops Boyd and it seemed to kind of just come together really nicely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a first time festival organizer like Ben, you know, hosting it at Scani's, you wouldn't know it, mm-hmm. you know, from from the experience that we had this weekend. Like I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Like you said, I felt it too, like the gratitude mm-hmm. in, in the room, in the green room, on stage, seeing all you guys intermingle with each other. You played, obviously, Billy in the Lutz <laughs> set, um, but you also sat on stage with Armchair Boogie, and you filled in for Tango and Cash, and you, you had, you'd you made appearances with all these all these different bands and that's kind of like it seems like what's happening in the wisconsin bluegrass scene anyway you know mm-hmm. and there's just kind of like a an example of it at the festival at one point during billy bronson the lute set i mean you had seven musicians up on stage and i think i think you had said to me last night that that was the most people who had been on stage uh, at any set during the festival and everybody just kind of chips in and there's this like camaraderie that fuels this like one-of-a-kind musical experience mm-hmm that you might not ever see again, you know, at a festival anywhere. And I mean, I was in the green room when Adam Grill asked you like, do you, Hey, do you know a verse to this song? And you were like, uh, I have to look. And then you got pulled up on stage to, to sing a verse, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good leaders that I get to like meet and hang out with and guys like Augie, Doherty, Ben Majeska, you know, Adam Grill, Bob Wygant, Alex Daladar, so many more than that, but the ones that came to mind fresh for me from this weekend that allowed me to be a part of what they do, you know, that is an honor and they're so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sitting down and talking with me about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Lastly, I talked with Adam Gruel, who has been in the Wisconsin bluegrass scene for more than a decade. He's seen it all and played just about every festival stage. Adam talks about the collective of artists who have made festivals like Mountaintop and Scotty River possible, which has led to this style of music being a dominant force in Wisconsin. This festival is a product of this ecosystem. You know, Mountaintop wasn't going to happen this year. And, you know, then... Ben and Bob got together and put this together. I know. Ben's a badass guy. Bob is a badass guy. I mean, they uh, both fit into this world of cultivators of music, you know, like without people like, you know, frankly, Ben doesn't have to do this. Uh-huh. Scotty's Alehouse. Scotty's Alehouse is an excellent eatery. Yeah. Like, he does not have to give a shit. Right. This. He does it because he loves it. Right. He's a really good guy. Yeah. And he's been part of the energy at Mountaintop for so many years. Right. There was a void. He's and- a genuine guy. And so he throws this thing, man. And he's, this isn't his only deal. I mean, he's done this, like, he has, he's had projects of mine for years, you know. Me and Benny from Armchair played, like, in the front little room, you know, mm-hmm. and done pizza tapes garcia grisman and rice (laughs) and bob you know on dig deep i mean what a what a great great band on so many levels and bob has been another cultivator 
you know, in the Northwoods, I don't think Minocqua and Rhinelander would be hip in any way whatsoever without Bob Wagner being there, without Phil Wickham being there. You know, yeah. certainly uh, Scott Kirby, uh-huh. Tuck Pence. Oh, yeah. People like that. Like, if they weren't in the Northwoods, the Northwoods wouldn't be all that fun. Right, right. And it's like that, and like it seems like every region of the state, like there's yeah. a couple, like you know, of those like usual suspects, you know, and they're just nudging things to happen and like leading these little organic little jam sessions and festivals, and then you know the cumulative result is like this state that has really, really honed in on this particular genre of music because of the groups of people who have come together, and not just on stage either. You know, in the audience, you know, yeah. a lot of people who would have gone to Mountain Topper here this weekend, you know? Well, yeah, I think it's it's the, the juxtaposition of musicians that adore it and fans that adore it and business purveyors, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's important because fuck if it isn't hard to make a income, mm-hmm. to make a career as a musician. It's hard, but there's a lot of joy that comes from it, no doubt. And guys like Ben Swanson, and I mean, there's a number of people, like you said, all across Wisconsin and the whole Midwest Mm -hmm. that just give a shit about continuing this music. Yep. And it's legit and admirable and we're grateful as musicians. And I know that the fan base is also grateful because i mean this ticket was very cheap yes for what we're seeing it is amazing yes cheap. yeah it's unfucking believable yeah and it's cool yeah and ben's are awesome guy. yeah i don't know it's just cool to to witness you know this happening and i know it's been happening in wisconsin for a long time but man it just seems to get better you know yeah. the trajectory for this style of music in wisconsin it has a hell of a lot to do with the community, you know, the, around it, within it, and that energy that's around this movement, you know, yeah. that's happening. I mean, it has to do with people like you as well, discussing this and giving air to this reality and hopefully bringing more folks into the scene that can help it retain a positive nature. Thanks for listening to the Musician's Venture Podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews from wherever you're listening from. Check us out online at themusiciansventure.com for more information on what we have happening, to find past episodes, and ways to get in touch with us. Find us on social media at The Musician's Venture on Facebook and Instagram, and at Musician Venture on Twitter. Like and follow us on all those platforms, and hey, while you're there, engage with and share our content with your friends. The Musician's Venture Podcast is hosted by me, Nick O'Brien, with guest host appearances from Allison M. The podcast is produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.